0: How are you? Are you well? You're well? Good. How are you online? You're great? Good. Thumbs up online? Can't see you, but okay, thumbs up. Cameraman said thumbs up. In this new series, we're going to ask you to do something starting next week. Bring this. I don't know if you know what this is. This is called a Bible. Bible. Say, Bible. I'll bring it on your phone, download the U version, But we really want you to bring a Bible and bring a notepad. We're going to take notes. We're going to do this. There's daily readings for you that we're going to have on the app. And this is going to be a series that we're going to really dive into pretty much um, verse by verse on this entire book. This book that we're going to uh, study has actually 13 chapters. Now, why would God name a book of the Bible with the name crossing over. The name of the book we're gonna study for all these weeks is the name crossing over. What does it mean to cross over? And why would God name an entire New Testament book of the Bible with the meaning of crossing over? Well, it wasn't just those people who had to cross over, it's you, and it's me. And it wasn't just they had to cross over one time in their life, it's crossing over pretty much every single day, which relates to you and relates to me. Now, the concept of crossing over, it's not a hard concept, and it's really not a new concept. If you've been married more than 10 minutes, you know you must cross over to remain married, right? If you're a parent, there's things that you didn't think you wanted to do or agree to, but now as a parent, you're actually changing messy. D- I mean, you've got to cross over as a parent. Life is all about making adjustments and doing some things that are actually better. We cross over for health. We didn't exercise, but now we do. We didn't eat well, but now we do. We cross over maybe with wealth. We didn't save money, but now we're investing. It's a concept that we all pretty much understand. I think about this with technology. Um, hopefully, none of you still have a flip phone. If you do, do not lift it up. Do not acknowledge that. Do, do not, I mean, that goes back to Bush, right? That goes back to President Bush. But now there's, there's an iPhone. You, you've, you've changed with, with technology. Uh, my assistant now is 23. So you can imagine the technology of a 23-year-old. And my assistant came to me about six months ago and she said, Kurt, we're done with Windows. I said, what happened to Windows? Did somebody lose the window? She said, no, we're going to Google Docs. I said, why? Why would we do something that's actually working? And she explained it, and now we do Google Docs. Uh, you think about this even uh, in sports. I am a die. aren't you glad, some of you, that the NFL is I mean, back on? Praise God, praise God. It's been a long time. Some others of you are like, I wish it would never have happened. Can we just, you know, but, but like, I, I think about, I am a diehard Indianapolis Colts fan. Die. Anybody a Colts fan in the room? You get to go straight to heaven. You don't even have to take communion. You get to go straight to the pearly gates. I am a diehard Colts fan. However, when we moved here 18 years ago, the Colts don't play here, Right? And so I've got to decide: Am I also going to cross over and become a Bucks fan? And I have, and I love the Bucks, and I love the, I love our team. Um, I I had never been to a hockey game in my life. Michael Carley took me to a hockey game. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I don't know how it works. And a few a little, a couple months later, Doug Norris takes me to a hockey game, and I said, "How does this work? What's this mean? What's an I love hockey, I love lightning, I have crossed over to the lightning, right? Now, I, I, I love Brady, but I'm not sure I've crossed over to be a Patriots fan. I just gotta have absolute con- you know, candor before you, but I respect the organization. So there's some things you're not gonna cross over with, right? There's other things that you've crossed over. Life's about really crossing over. When Ethan is dating Paws, who is now my daughter-in-law, and it's looking pretty good. It's looking like she's going to be my daughter-in-law. She's from Lima, Peru. Lima, Peru. And so I, I said to her one afternoon. I said, and the, and the football game just came on. The NFL game just came on. And I said, this really isn't your sport, is it? She said, No. We, we ours is soccer. They called it football there too. And she and they're die-hard soccer fans. And I said, Now pause. This is really important. if you're going to be a part of this Parker family, we are NFL fiends. And I said, I got to have you cross over. I, t- I used those exact words, cross over. And I got my, th- my granddaughter Callie's toys out of the toy box, and I started making a football field on the carpet. And I put a hundred yard, yards on the carpet with goalposts on each end. And I started explaining 10 yards and how every four, every, you know, you get a chance every four. And so finally I said, are you in? She said, I'm in. And so pauses crossed over, praise God, or she probably wouldn't be in the family today. I mean, I, I, I just love my daughter-in-law, but she's got to like football. I mean, come, I mean c- come on, right? And so in life, you make these decisions, you make really good decisions about, I need to cross over. This is not good for me. This is not best for me. This is not wise for me. Or I need to keep going in this particular area. It's so interesting to me that God would name this book of the Bible Hebrews. And the entire book of Hebrews means those who have crossed over. And the book of Hebrews is trying to really help us understand why you want to cross over, and why you don't want to go back, and why you want to continue to go the direction that you are. And so really, the first Hebrew was Abraham. Abraham is the first Hebrew. And we see that Abraham then had to make a decision. The reason he's the first Hebrew is because he crossed over, and he judged God faithful. But the scenario was like this. He's 75 years old. And God asks him to leave his house, his home, his family, his country, and go to a land that he would show him. He comes home and he tells Sarah, honey, we're moving. She's like, great, I want a bigger house across the street. No, we're not going across the street. Well, where are we going? I don't exactly know. How long will it take to get there? Honey, I really don't know well, when will we arrive there? I'm not really sure, but I know that God has called me to leave our home, our country, our family and go to a land that he would show me. And God was asking Abraham to cross over and Abraham judged God faithful. Then a few months later, God says to Abraham, he said, count the stars. And so Abraham's, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, one thousand, seven, eight, nine, two thousand. 1,000, 2,000. Abraham, he gets about four or 5,000. Abraham says, why? Why am I counting the stars? And God said, because your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham says, that's great, God. I don't have one kid. I don't have one child. And, and Abraham had to cross over to decide whether or not God's word was true and God's word would be faithful in his life. At 100, 100 years old, he has a son, Isaac. God says to him, I want you to go sacrifice your son on Mount Moriah, and the whole deal there was that Abraham believed that God would resurrect the son. We learned that from another, a New Testament book. But at that moment, it was a test. And the test was, will you now trust me implicitly with your son? And Abraham crossed over. He judged God faithful. And so the very first Hebrew is a man by the name of Abraham. It starts really with Genesis chapter 12. There's Moses. Moses, for the first 40 years of his life, was really on the fast track. Moses was the prince of Egypt, Moses PhD, Moses special forces. Moses was in line to be the next Pharaoh. And at age 40, it all unravels. And the next 40 years of his life, he is tending sheep out here for his father-in-law, bored to tears. He could not be more bored taking care of these sheep highly educated, highly skilled, highly gifted, a leader of leaders. And he's out there just basically lying down in these meadows and pastures, taking care of his father's sheep, father-in-law's sheep. And all of a sudden, the bush catches on fire. Moses gets up, goes over, checks out the bush, and the bush doesn't burn up. And a voice speaks out of the bush. And the voice says, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. I have heard the cries of your people. And Moses, you are going to go lead the people to cross over the Jordan River. You're going to lead the people into the promised land. And Moses said, no, I'm not crossing over. I don't want to do this. I'm not a good speaker. This isn't in the cards for me. I do not want to do this. And God actually gets angry with Moses. And He says, "Yes, you are going to do it. I will help you. I'll give you your brother Aaron to help speak for you, but Moses, step up, stand up, man up, and cross the river, cross over. And so Moses does. And now Moses is getting ready to lead the whole group of people across the Red Sea. An incredible journey now to cross the Red Sea. The Egyptian army's coming behind them. they're going to try to kill and wipe out two or three million Jewish people, Hebrew people. And God says, what are you waiting on, Moses? Raise up your staff. Moses raises up the staff, and the water just parts on dry ground. And Moses leads all these people to cross over. It's a great story. It's your story. It's your story every morning. It's your story every day when you get up. It's your story with every choice that you make every single day. Am I going to cross over and become the woman of God, the man of God that he's called me to be? Well, you know, they got over there and they didn't really do well with the toll spy thing. And God says, now you got 40 more years. And so for 40 years, they're wandering in the wilderness. It was an 11-day journey, 11-day journey from Kadesh Barnea to the land of Canaan. But they're going to wander for 40 years. And for these 40 years now, the 40 years have passed, Moses dies, and Joshua is the new leader. And they come to the Jordan River. And it's time now for the people to cross in and cross over into the land. Now, the land was full of enemies. The land was not peaceful The land was full of people who lived there, and it was their homes and their turf and their territory. And they were very evil people. They were Canaanites and Hittites and Hivites and Girgashites, and and some people call them termites, but there were all these ites in the land. And so they're going to have to cross over, and and Joshua then gets the priests. And the priests step into the water. They, They had to take a step of faith. It's a flood stage. But the priest led by taking a step of faith. And when the priest touched the water, the water subsided. And now, again, two or three million people, they cross over. And they cross over on to a new land. And then little by little, little by little, they start taking the turf. They start taking the territory. And they're fighting these battles. And it becomes the land that they have today. It's the land they own and live in today. All right, fast forward 1,500 years. 1,500 years from when Joshua crossed over. An angel shows up and he says to this peasant girl, you are the one. You are the one. You're going to give birth to the Messiah. You, Mary, have been chosen and she says, how can this be? I am a virgin. And the angel said, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come inside of you. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And that which is conceived in you, is, it, it's, it's God's plan to save his people from their sins. And so Mary gives birth to Jesus. Jesus then rises up. And at age 30, Jesus had to cross that same Jordan River. That 1,500 years ago, Joshua led the people. And there comes Jesus on the banks of the Jordan River. John the Baptist is on the other side. And John's like, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. Jesus said, no, 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 no. We're going to do this. I'm going to show people why. We're going to fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus and John both crossed over. And Jesus was then empowered. And the Spirit of God descended on Jesus. And Jesus then began to raise the dead. He began to heal the sick. He began to touch ears and people could hear. He touched eyes and people could see. All of a sudden, he began to put his hands on and leprosy left all of these people. And Jesus began to teach and preach and proclaim. And and Simon Peter then was the one who helped all of us start to cross over. Who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're this, some say you're that. Yeah, but guys, who do you say that I am? And that's what everybody has to decide. Everybody in this room has to decide who is Jesus of Nazareth. Simon Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Simon Peter crosses over. It's really no different than Thomas. When Thomas said, I'm not crossing over, guys. You guys said he he, he resurrected. You guys said he rose from the dead. You guys are smoking something. I don't know what you're on, but I'm not crossing over. I love Thomas's declaration. Unless I see the nail marks, unless I put my hand, I'm not crossing over. I love how Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in locked doors. Hey, Tom, how's it going? And Jesus just does this. Check it out. And Thomas says, my Lord and oh my God, he, cro- he crossed over. You know when Jesus crossed over? I don't know all the times Jesus crossed over. I don't know how this happened in the heavenlies with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. I guess he crossed over there first. But on earth, I know when he crossed over, it was in the garden. And he said to the Father, Father, is there another way? Is there another plan? I, I, take this cup from me. But then he crossed over and he said, but not my will but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus crossed over. And Jesus then went to the cross. And Jesus died a horrible, terrible death. A death where he would basically suffocate for six hours. And all the sins of the world were heaped upon Jesus And that's why Jesus said, my Lord, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And at that moment, when Jesus gave up his spirit, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, and now the holy place and the holy of holy place, they're now together, and we have this incredible connection with God. So all these people then accepted Christ. All these people in this New Testament age became Christians. Now, the book of Hebrews is written about 65-ish A.D., maybe 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead. So all these people are becoming Christians. And we read in the book of Acts, first of all, there's like 3,000 converts on day one, and then there were 5,000 converts. And so the church is growing from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So by 65-ish A.D., approximately, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who have given their life to Christ. The whole reason the book of Hebrews is written, it was written to help them to stay on the right side of the bank. Because so many people crossed over and they're going, yeah, but what about the traditions? And what about Moses? And what about the gifts of, you know, offering bulls and turtle doves and pigeons? And, you know, we're so used to the religion. And this is so different this was not religion. This was a relationship. This was not just getting to heaven. This was getting heaven in you. This was not just occasional visitation of this Holy Spirit. This is now habitation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would now inhabit everybody who became a Christian. And so what happens then is people start falling back. They said, well, I know I crossed over, but I don't, did I make the right decision? I mean, the family, you know, and the mother-in-law, what's she gonna say? And, you know, family pressure. And if I do this, I get kicked out of the family business. I mean, there's pressure. There's pressure to become a Christian. And so people were starting to fall back. And, and so the author of Hebrews, we don't even know who the author is. Some people think it's the Apostle Paul. I don't. I think it's Apollos or somebody incredibly educated. But whoever it was, He begins to write in such a way to help us to realize why we crossed over. And so he says this in Hebrews chapter one. And so in Hebrews chapter one, he tells us the big why. Whoever the author is, he says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. This is the big why. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Drop down to verse eight and nine, Hebrews chapter one. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and you've hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And so the author is telling us seven major reasons right off the bat in verses one, two, three, and four. Look at these seven different reasons. The author is saying if you want to go back, realize that Abraham was not the heir of all things, realize that Moses was not the maker of the universe. Remember, Joshua was not the radiance of God's glory. Elijah was not the exact representation. Isaiah couldn't sustain anything. Nehemiah could never provide a purification for sin. And Malachi could not sit down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Rebecca, Mary, Rachel, all these great matriarchs of the Bible, none of them are the Messiah. And so he's telling us why you want to cross over, because Jesus is the heir of all things. Jesus is the maker of the universe. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Remember the one time Philip said, show us the Father? And Jesus said, what do you mean show you the Father? I've been with you, Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, is, he sustains all things. Nobody could provide purification for sins. Nobody. There's a story in the Old Testament where Moses tried. It's actually one of my favorite little stories. Because as great as Moses was, God laughs at him. Moses, you're gonna offer your blood for the sins of the people? God's like, get out of here, Mo. This ain't gonna work. This is a joke, Moses, a joke. And so one drop of Jesus's blood. One drop of the blood of the Lamb of God takes away all the sins of the world, all of your sins, past, present, and future. One drop. That's how potent the blood was. And then that last one is he sat down at the right hand. You know what he's doing today? He's interceding for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for our church. He's praying for your church. He's praying for your family. He's praying for you as a single woman. He's praying for you as a single man. He's praying for you as a single parent. He's praying for your marriage. He's praying for your grandkids. He is interceding on your behalf. That's why we cross over. That's why we give our lives to Christ. That's why we receive Jesus as our Savior and we cross over. So let's talk about this a little bit. Let's go back to the reverend. And if this is the side where we start on, and that's the side that we want to get to, let's first of all start with some of you, though, that are like brand new to church. You're brand new online. You just came over for breakfast to somebody's house. You just got talked into breakfast. You had no idea they were going to swindle you into watching a church service, okay? So you're just watching because you came over for coffee. You're probably not ready to cross over. You may not understand what this is all about. You might need to start reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just start reading about Jesus, having spiritual conversations. There's space for you. There's space for you to have some spiritual conversations. There's others of you that are right there on the edge. You've been coming to church. You were raised in church. You've got a grandmother that's been praying for you for 40 years. And you've not crossed over. But but the reason you've not crossed over now is not up here. It's right here. There's a moral issue. There's something in your life that you don't think he's worthy. Whatever it is you're doing, it's, it's better to hold on to it than to hold on to Christ and the enemy's deceiving you and that's a really bad trait. You want to give your life to Christ and he wants to save you, forgive you, cleanse you. A, a bad place to be is like right in the middle of that rushing current. Uh, we went boating yesterday and water skiing for several hours and, and uh, Ethan and I were in the boat and and um, first place we pulled up to was pretty rough, whipping current, wind, and we were on the end of an island a little bit up north of here. And we both looked at each other and we said, you know what? We could probably make both anchors hold. We could probably keep the women safe, but this isn't a really good idea. It's time to move because we're in the middle of a rushing current and we can do better than this. Now I don't know why he was driving, and I don't know why I was the guy, the gopher pulling up the anchor, but that's how it worked yesterday. Should have been the other way around, right? So we'll change that next time, all right? Younger, healthier. He can he can manhandle the anchor. But we moved. We moved because in the middle of that current is not a good place to be. So you cross over. And then then this like, now what do I do? I, I got baptized. I gave my life to Christ. I, I, I crossed over, now, now, now what do I do? And I, and, I, and I sometimes think that we as a church have not been real clear about that. I think a lot of times we as the church have spent so much time and so much emotional capital trying to just get you to cross over that we might not have done a really good job of helping you on what to do next. And so you cross over, and and now you're kind of like in the mud. You just barely got over the edge, and so you got saved. And so, well, now what do I do with the rest of my life? Well, the goal for you is not to be in the mud. The goal for you is to keep moving. The goal for you is God now has a plan for your life. You see, over here, life was about you. Your job was about you. Your time was about you. Your activities were about you. Your adventure was about you. Your interests were about you. Life was about you. My dog, my house, my car, my my adventure, my vacation. Life was about you. But if you cross over, you, you have given your life. Your life now is given to him. And on this side is where God then says, I want you to be my hands and feet. I want you to be my priest. I want you to pray. I want you to learn to serve. I want you to learn to give. You still gotta work, you still gotta go to school, you still gotta get educated, you still gotta, yes. But now over here, life's not about you. Life's about Him, Him in you. So again, the goal was not just to get you to heaven, the goal over here is to get heaven in you. Okay? The goal is not to get you to believe only. The goal is now for you to be a believer who now is on fire for the king. So what word would you describe over here? I would use the word selfishness. I would use the word narcissism. I would use the word, I got a bunch of words I'd use over here, but we don't need to talk about all that. (laughs) Nor should we. The word over here, though, is yielded. I yield my life to you. The word over here is humility. I walk in humility. I'm going to walk. I'm not strutting over here. Oh, I got confidence. I got a lot more confidence over here than I did over here. Over here, I'm on my own. Over here, the Spirit of God is inside of me. A lot more confidence over here. A lot more courage over here. A lot more strength over here. A lot more vitality over here. Folks, this is where you want to get to. And the whole book of Hebrews is trying to get you to cross over and stay over. And on this side then, the Holy Spirit comes in you and the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you grow and you change and you transform and you get stronger and you make decisions. It's over here then where you start making crossover decisions and it results in your redemptive privileges that I've I've taught on twice now. Once you cross over, you now qualify for Jehovah Shalom, his peace. You now qualify over here for his guidance, Jehovah Ra. You now qualify over here for Jehovah Shema, the Lord's presence. Once you cross over, you qualify for Jehovah Nisi, which is victory, victory. You qualify for Jehovah canoe, which is the righteousness of Christ transforming your soul. No longer emotionally rattled every single moment, every single day. I'm getting stronger, I'm getting stronger, I'm getting stronger because Jehovah canoe is inside of me. No longer am I just worried about money. Now I've got Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, providing for me. I'm not even worried about health as much as I was. Now I have Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals helping me and guiding me. And so will you cross over? That's the question today. And then as a believer, will you keep moving out of the mud? Yeah, you got fire insurance. That's really great. That's what most Christians have. There's 2 billion people that are call themselves Christians on the face of this earth today. You don't just want fire insurance. You want to be on fire. You want to be on fire. This is the white-knuckle adventure being on fire. This is the roller coaster white-knuckle ride over here on fire, on fire, on fire. And so when we cross over, that's why we take Communion. That's why we come to communion. And that's why the Lord's Supper gives us strength. We've made a decision. We're not turning back. We're not going back to the old ways. We're not going to go back to the old habits, the old beliefs. We're, we're going to cross over. And so, Lord, as we partake of your body, we believe. We believe in you and we judge you faithful. Thank you for your body, Lord Jesus. But it's the blood that gets me. It's what the blood did for me. I I make a living with my words. I can't even describe the gratitude. And I can't describe what all happened. When the blood of the Lamb covered you and covers you and continues to cover you day after day after day after day. And so, why don't we just take a moment and let's confess some sin? Maybe you're in the mud today as a believer. Would you ask, would you tell him you're sorry? And would you ask him to help you to get out of the mud and to take some steps in the right direction? Will your blood empower me? I'm just going to give you a chance right now to repent and confess some sin. And let's keep moving in the right direction. are your people. Forgive us. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our lack of belief. Forgive us for our behavior. We confess Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. And so blood of the Lamb, cover us now and give us strength. In Jesus' name, let's take together. Jesus has a crowd around him. And instead of just trying to soft pedal his teaching, he throws a 95 mile an hour fastball. Many of us would be tempted to throw a softball. He throws a fastball. And he starts telling this crowd of people that you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, which is really communion. You've got to be so much on this side of the river that I am your life. I'm not just, you know, an addendum. I, I am it. That's what crossing over is. That's the problem that most people have. Most people, you know, church is nice and Jesus is good and Jesus is merciful. But to fully cross over, that, that's a hard swallow because he asks for all. He demands all. And he's demanding all to this crowd, and they start leaving one by one. They just start walking away. And so, in John chapter six, verse sixty, he gives them this fastball. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, "This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it?" In other words, Jesus says, "I'm everything. I'm not just part of the tradition of Moses. I'm not. I. I am now the new covenant." It's all new, it's all different, it's all changed. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, when it says the disciples, it doesn't mean the 12 yet. This is probably hundreds, if not thousands. Aware that his disciples were grumbling, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? That's so funny. That's another sermon anyway. Then what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and they are full of life. And from that time on, many of the disciples turned back and they've no longer followed him. Hundreds of disciples now who had crossed over are now walking back. They're going back. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. So the 12 stayed. Hundreds left, the 12 stayed. Here's what Simon Peter says. Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You you have the words of eternal. Peter's like, I can't figure it all out. I don't understand everything. It doesn't all quite make sense, but you're like the greatest thing ever. So I don't know where else we'd go. So if you have a teaching like this, we're gonna receive it and we're gonna accept it. And he says, we've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. My mentor, Kent Stickler, years ago, called me at eight o'clock in the morning. And I knew something was wrong immediately. His voice was shaking and he broke. And he said, I just found my son, Guy was his name, unconscious and we lost him. And all Kent could say was, we lost Guy. We lost Guy. We lost Guy. And Kent found his son on the floor of his townhouse. So I immediately leave and go over there and spend the next several hours with Kent and with Jane. And it's heartbreaking to lose an adult son. And so several days later, Kent and I are very close. And several days later, we're talking And he brings up this passage of Scripture. And I said, how are you doing? How's your faith? Does this rattle your faith? Are you mad at God? Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Let's, Let's be real. We're men. And what Kent said to me was, he said, Kurt, he said, I'll never forget the words in John chapter six. And he said, and I love when Simon Peter says, where else would we go? And Kent Stickler said, Kurt, I'm hurting. My heart's broken. Jane and I are broken. We're brokenhearted. We lost our our adult son. But it's not going to rattle our faith. We have a risen Savior that we will put all of our faith and all of our trust in. And that passage stuck with me because of that day with Kent. I'll never forget that moment. Here's what he's asking you to do. He's asking you to cross over today and stay over tomorrow. He's asking you to cross over today and stay over tomorrow. And I will make decisions tomorrow to keep going. And I will make decisions tomorrow to be his hands and feet. And I will make decisions tomorrow to be humble and to be yielded. I will give him my money. I will give him my time, I will give him my skills, I will give him my life, I will give him my energy. That's what the Messiah is asking from you. 100% commitment, he's asking you to cross over. So for those of you today that aren't yet Christians, you've not yet crossed over, I'm gonna ask you to do that right now. We're gonna stand together. Those of you online, listen, pay attention as well, because we're going to give you a chance for Jesus to be your Savior. And here's how it goes. Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I have sinned. I've lived for me. I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to cross over, and now I'm going to live for you. So, Father, we pray for all those people who are online, in our states, in our, in our, in our country. Out of our country, in different countries, all the people that were in first hour, all the people and they're in second hour, we pray for all the people who have not yet crossed over. That today will be their day. This right now is their moment, this is their time. Jesus, we give our life to you, and we will not turn back, we will go forward in faith. In power, in victory, in joy, we will honor the King of Kings. In your name, your great name. We, we pray. We pray. Amen. So next week, you're gonna, bring a, you're gonna bring a Bible and a notepad, or download on your phone, the U version of the Bible. There's multiple translations if you want to do that, but bring a hard copy if you can. And also there are all those readings and things on the app this week. And we're going to go through chapter one this week. Next week, we're actually going to go a lot more in depth in chapter two. And then chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, we're pretty much going to go verse by verse. That's why you want to bring a Bible. That's why you want to bring a notebook. Okay? All right. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. Cross over.